Welcome to the Kaleo Life Podcast. You can find more resources for gospel living and information about us by going to our website, kaleo.community. Enjoy today's sermon. I don't go to live plays very much, uh, you know, but when I do, I really enjoy it. You know, it's a, total, it's a totally different experience than watching a movie. Like, it's not like the people are, I mean, they can mess up their lines, but it's not like they're allowed to mess up their lines. You know, you can't retake the shot in a live show. And I really enjoy it. I, I feel like I appreciate it even more, uh, uh, more to some degree the talent that's involved with the, I don't know, the memorization of their lines, the singing, the choreography, if, uh, if you're into musicals. There's like so much that goes into it. I mean, you've got the actors, the singers, the backup dancers, you got a whole bunch of other cast members you don't even know, except when you look at the list. Uh, I mean, you've got the orchestra, again, if it's a musical usually. Um, You've probably got the director doing cues and stuff while things are going. Um, you've got the setup crew for the, all the props. You've got the audiovisual people who are making sure, or the lighting, making sure the lighting's right for all the scenes, right? There's all of this stuff, all of these roles that go into, I'm just going to say, a musical and I, and I enjoy going to them when, when I'm able to go. Um, um, but I also think about, maybe it's just on movies, or, or I've never really tried out for a musical before, you know? And I just want you to think about the person who wants to go for the main role. You know there's going to be a few people who want to go for the main role, and only one person gets that main role, Right? Only one person gets that main role. The rest might become secondary, uh, secondary figures. Um, but there's often this sense of like, oh, I tried to go for that role and I failed. Maybe a little sulkiness. Or the person who got the role is like, I have got the best part. I've got a better part than everybody else in this play. And... Uh, you know, there can be some pride there um, as far as your part. And it's a, as, a, as a, the main actor, it is a big part. It's a big role. But without everybody else doing their role, the play would be ridiculous. <laughs> you know what I mean? It would be ridiculous if, uh, let's say, in Romeo and Juliet, you only had Romeo. You know, what about Juliet? What about the families? What if you got rid of the families and it was just Romeo and Juliet? Then you wouldn't have the situation of, you know, the families at odds with each other. Anyway, but all that to say, without, even if you have the best role or the best role or a very good role, a very, a role that takes maybe more talent, more time and effort, all of the roles that are done to bring this production together are all of importance, right? Um, so today we are continuing with spiritual gifts. Um, I will not be in 1 Corinthians where Ben is speaking right now, and I believe next week he'll, he will be getting, he will be speaking on the individual spiritual gifts. 
I will be speaking kind of along the, I will be speaking along the same lines in Romans chapter 12, um, kind of in the first section, verses three through eight. Um, but before we continue on and read this section, I'm going to go ahead and pray um, real quick. Father, uh, I thank you for this time for the gathering of your church here. We pray for those uh, traveling that you would keep them safe as they go to and from to visit family, friends um, over this Memorial Day weekend, Father. Um, I pray for the preaching of the word now, uh, that you would speak through me, that you would uh, shut my mouth in any areas that you do not want me to say. Um, Father, I pray that you would help me now. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, we're in Romans chapter 12. I'm going to go ahead and read the passage of Scripture. I'm just going to start in verse uh, 12, verse 1, and then we'll read up to verse 8. <clears throat> now, maybe I should say this before we continue on. Roman, we're coming kind of toward the ends of Romans in here. And right before this, Paul has told the Roman believers a lot of doctrine, a lot of right correct teaching, kind of straightening out their uh, whatever they were thinking or believing and saying, this is how it is, right? Um, a lot of right teaching. And now, kind of, he, he kind of ends that section with a doxology, and he moves in kind of toward the end, um, which I would say, um, right action. We'll, we'll put it like that. So right belief. And then we got right action, kind of like what the Christian should believe, what the Christian should do, okay? This is what it should look like. This is your belief worked out in faith. Let's put it that way, okay? So this is, this is just kind of the beginning section, um, so we'll keep that in mind. And uh, we know Paul is longing to encourage these believers In Romans 1, 11, he says, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So, Paul wants to encourage the believers. I'll read our passage for today. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy 
with cheerfulness. Amen. Also earlier in in Romans chapter chapter 8, verses 8 and 9, I'm just going to read it because Paul had a really good section on the Spirit. I'm just going to read this one here. Um, 9 through 11. Sorry, 9 through 11. 8, 9 through 11. It says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. This is who Paul is talking to. He is talking to believers, which hopefully he convinced have the Spirit of Christ dwelling in them. That is, that is who Paul is talking to. Believers who are filled with the Spirit and he's appealed to them in this first section in 12 that they present their bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That is big, right? Giving oneself up for God, for the praise of God, for the worship of God. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We move into verse 3. He says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now Paul's been given this grace, uh, and he kind of clarifies it in uh, chapter 15, verses 15. He kind of states it again. He says, But on some points I have written to you very boldly, by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Paul, Paul's grace given to him is to be a minister, was to be a minister, an apostle to the Gentiles. And obviously, he still speaks to the Jews, but his main, his main uh, focus is the Gentiles, an apostle, a minister. And he says, under this ministerial, under this apostleship, this, this grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself, more highly than he ought to think. And my first point here is the members of Christ are not to think pridefully of themselves, but in humility with sober, discerning judgment. Do not be prideful. Think soberly, discerningly. And then in the previous verse in 2, each person should be discerning what is good and acceptable and perfect, what is the will of God. You know, it's easy to think. I think it can become easy. It's tricky. You know, you don't want to go out there and say to everybody, 
I'm better than you. You know, that's not, that's not necessarily how our minds think, I think, directly to ourselves. Like, you're not just automatically like, yep, I'm better than that person, I'm better than that person. We don't like to think of us as arrogant, uh, self-centered people. Um, but oftentimes we are. And oftentimes it looks more like, not I'm doing better than them, but I'm doing more than they're doing. I'm, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm involved more in my church. I do a couple of different things. You know, I work AV, I do a little bit of music, I do a little bit of teaching. I do more than somebody else. Or, I don't, or, I don't know, you could, you could even think today, like, you know, I showed up to church. So-and-so's not here, but I showed up to church. And, like, there's this, it's not like, it's not like you're thinking, I showed up to church, I'm the better person, but I feel like there's this subtle thing, like, I am doing more. And you almost take pride in that, that you showed up to church, right? That you are doing these specific things, which, whether um, it's preaching or leading or visiting people in their homes, or leading a missional community, or even leading a DNA group. Whether you're evangelizing or discipling a specific person. You know, Paul, earlier in this letter, uh, when he's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, he talks about the Gentiles being grafted in. I want to turn there, uh, chapter 11, verses 17 through 21. It says, but if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, speaking to the Gentiles, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If, if you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith, so do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. The Gentiles were not brought into the family of God because God thought they were now better than the Jews. He brought them in by grace, but if you saw that key word in there, was faith. There was unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. It is not because you're a Gentile that you were grafted in to the family of God. It is because of your faith in Christ Jesus. That's the important thing here, right? Their faith in Christ Jesus. And and that seems to be, yeah, I don't know, that seems to be how it is through, through all of Scripture. But not to think that I am worth more, or I'm a better branch, or my branch bears more fruit. You know what's supporting your branch? You know what's giving you that fruit? It's coming up through the roots, right? Christ Jesus and he is our perfect example of humility, of not thinking of himself more highly than he ought, because who has the right to think of themselves more highly than they ought but God alone? Even though it's like, how 
can he think higher of himself if he's like eternal? And then, I, <laughs> but uh, but Jesus Christ. We're gonna move to a familiar passage: Philippians two eight and nine. And being found in human form, oh no, sorry, we need to back up a little bit. Let each of you look not only, verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interest, this is a good verse to add to this section we're talking about, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count it equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." One of those reasons the members of Christ are not to think pridefully in themselves is because that is not Christ-like, right? We, we imitate Christ, and Christ humbled himself, and we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts, right? He humbled himself to do the will of God that was his to do on earth, and that was to die on the cross, right? All the way up to that point, through his healing of hands, through his speaking, he was not prideful. He did not think himself, well, he is greater. Let's put it that way, but I'm not going to say. He wasn't thinking arrogantly of, I am greater. He was thinking in love that I am here for a purpose, right? So we're to humble ourselves as we do the will of God. Number two, also kind of in verse three, the members of Christ understand that God has assigned a measure of faith to each one. I'm going to read that one more time. The members of Christ understand that God has assigned a measure of faith to each one. It's kind of interesting that there are different kind of, I guess, degrees of faith that is worked out. Let me read that real quick. For, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Um, I, was, I was thinking about the parable of the tenants um, that Jesus told in, in Matthew 25. And... I know it's not necessarily having to do with spiritual gifts, but I feel like um, we can look at this and kind of see this consistency with God in that just because one has a higher measure of faith per se, that they are more important, or a lesser measure of faith makes them less important. The truth is, is God gave them that faith, and they can grow and work from there, but God has given them that faith, 
And uh, if you're familiar with the parable of the talents, um, a master gives his servant one, he gives five talents, one he gives three or two, and then one he gives one, and he goes off his way. He comes, or, you know, they're supposed to uh, invest. So he comes back, and he sees what they did with what he gave them. And the one who had five talents earned five more. So in excess, he had ten talents now. And then um, the one who had two had four. And then the one he gave one was like, well, you you reap what you do not sow. Or like, you would be receiving the money that I earned for you. So instead of earning money for you, I just decided to bury it and do nothing with it. And then, you know, here's, here's your talent back. But giving those talents was not saying, you're a better person, you're a mediocre person, and I know you're not going to do anything with this, so I gave you one. God, or the master in here, gave those talents. Well, let's look at the end here. It says, for everyone, for to everyone who has, oh, wait, for to everyone who has will more be given. And, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to read the end here. So, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So that was not what I was going with. But... This idea that God has given each person in the church a measure of faith. And that we are to use that. We are to, I guess, use that faith within our spiritual gifts. Right? And God doesn't say, oh, he's got less faith because God has given a certain amount to each person. And so when I feel like I have more faith than somebody else, it's not, I have more faith than him. It's like, how can I help him grow my faith? How are we, how does this statement, um, how does this statement change the way we do things? The members of Christ understand that God has assigned a measure of faith to each one. Luke 12, 48 says, to whom much is given, much is required. Right? We are to continue to grow our faith and exercise our spiritual gifts. So when we understand that God has assigned a measure of faith to each one, how do we view, I guess my question would be for you, is how do you view your fellow believers? How, how, how does that make you, um, I don't know, see them differently or work with them differently? The third point I have is the members of Christ understand that we are the body of Christ and are made up of many people with different purposes and abilities. And Ben kind of covered this, or he pretty well covered it in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, but we're going to turn there real quick, and we'll read uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 25 through 26.
I'll just back up into verse 24. It says, But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. They may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. should have equal concern for one another. And when somebody suffers, I don't know whether it's a trial or maybe you see that their faith is lacking. When somebody else's faith is lacking, it's not just that person who is suffering. It is the body of Christ that is suffering. When, I don't know, Mr. Bradrick, when he's going through a hard time and his faith is, is suffering, he's not the only one suffering you and I, his brothers and sisters in Christ, are suffering because we are one body. We are one body in Christ, one spirit. And it's hard for us to think about that because we are very individualistic thinkers. Um, and this picture of the body of Christ is so huge, um, especially here in America where we are so very individualistic. So, again, I'm going to ask, how does this statement, the members of Christ understand that we are the body of Christ and are made up of many people with different purposes and abilities, how does this statement affect our thinking when we start to believe we are more important than another? That we have more worth in the body of Christ than another. When we are carrying the load of our fellow believers and we feel like the others aren't picking up their weight, how does that make us think about it? But on the flip side, when Mr. Bradrick's faith is increased and we see that, we can rejoice with him and hopefully increase our faith with him. Right? We still need to grow and cultivate our faith that God has given us, that it will, I think that's where I was going with the talents, that it will, that we will use it, that it will expand, that it will grow. We can continue to grow that faith. Yeah, read it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. So, we are the body of Christ. And, and you know, I'm just going to go back to my, uh, my little intro with, with the musical. When, when things go wrong in the musical, people know it. Well, sometimes. It depends, uh, you know, if you, have a, if you have an ear for it, I guess. Or if somebody trips or something, you know, you kind of realize that and you're like, oh, man. And like everybody's like, oh, man, with you if you're, if you're in the play. Or even, even, even the watchers can kind of feel bad. But when the play goes extremely well, everybody did their parts well, everybody goes out and celebrates afterwards, right? 
is there is a working together. And the last part, which um, which I just want to say that the first part uh, in not being prideful is kind of this main overarching theme over this section, that we are not to be prideful. So when we start talking about this next part, that the members of Christ are to use their, the gifts of grace given to them, this is in the context of doing it humbly, of doing it, uh, of using our gifts not out of pride and not looking down on others because maybe they're not exercising their gift as much as you, or you know maybe they've got a totally different gift and you're like, well, I've got the better gift. It's speaking in tongues and prophecy, obviously. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um. But I just want us to keep that in our minds. Um, And also that we are to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. So we come to this section on spiritual gifts. And again, I'm not going to delve too far into these um, because Ben will be going over them next week. But Ephesians 4.12, let's just... He's talking about spiritual gifts here as well. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Spiritual gifts are to be used to equip the saints for the work of ministry or service and the building up of the body of Christ. It is a beautiful thing that you and I have the opportunity to take part in because you have been given a spiritual gift or gifts, whether you think you have one or not or don't know what it is yet. You have one, and it is a beautiful thing to take part in the building up of the body of Christ, and you should do it not out of self-service, say, oh, look at me, but one out of service to others and the body of Christ that you are a part of. So there's prophecy. I've got to flip back to Romans here. Romans, Romans 12. Having gifts that differ, verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given, let us use them with prophecy in proportion to our faith. Um, I believe in, in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, it mentions, said I'm just going to bring up a few things. It says, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So prophecy is to be used also be used for the building up, shocker, uh, for encouragement and consolation. Uh, to prophesy is to speak the word of God, but obviously there is some debate as how that is worked out um, and how that is defined. That's kind of one of those debated subjects, which I will let Ben 
um, discuss. There is the uh, service. If service in our serving, in 412 when it mentions ministry, it means service. For the work of service. And uh, service is so broad, uh, which is awesome because, you know, we have, we've, there's so many people in the body of Christ. There's so many things that need to be done, just like, um, I don't know, just like in a musical, there's so many things, like props have to be made, things have to be done, and guess what? It's the audience who gets to appreciate this beautiful thing. It like all culminates into a few shows, or maybe like a, hour, a couple hour show, all of this work that has been put into it, all of these little details that a lot of the time the audiences don't even see, right? Service is so broad, and it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, there's teaching, you know, the ability to study, to understand, to expound the word of God to others. There's exhortation. Hebrews 3.13 says, Exhort one another as long as it is called today so that none of you may be... Uh, hold on. May be hardened uh, by sin's deceitfulness. That's what it is. Sorry. We are to encourage one another. There's contribution. Um, 2 Corinthians 9.7 Does each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful, cheerful giver. And I believe in another section he talks about like the thief should give up his thieving and get a job pretty much and be able to contribute to the body of Christ. There's leadership, our shepherds, our pastors, those who cast vision, who, who direct people, who guide, who motivate, who guard. Acts of mercy. The, um, I feel like that's a hard one for a lot of people. Um, being able to um, forgive and um, to truly forgive and love those people who possibly don't deserve it. And, you know, deserve is kind of a, <laughs> we don't deserve it either, you know. <laughs> but a lot, of, so these, these gifts here, uh, I, I took this kind of thing from John Piper. He says, some of these virtues come more joyfully and are more fruitfully for some than for others. When that happens, I think we can call it a spiritual gift. In other words, it seems to me that some take unusual spiritual delight in serving or giving or doing mercy or teaching or leading or exhorting. The Holy Spirit has shaped their hearts so that they find themselves unusually drawn to these things. You know, we think about those things that we're good at. And then, but you have to add, you know, the, the factor that matters is the spirit living inside of you. 
What is God calling you to do? What and and these aren't you know these are gifts that are not done in um, in uh, uh, begrudgingly or out of self service or pride. Paul, like in those last three, he he kind of broke it up. He didn't just say. Uh, he said, of service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching. Then he said, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes. He didn't say in his contribution. He said, in generosity. You know, I, I think you can only be gener- truly generous if you have the heart to be generous. Right? The Spirit of God is putting on your heart to give more than you would normally give, and you take joy in that because you know it is the will of God. The one who leads with zeal. I mean, how many, I don't know about you, but how many times do you have a leader come in and, you know, they're just like, oh yeah, yeah, we're just going to do this. It's, it's going to be great. You know, you, you can, you can kind of do whatever you want. It's okay, you know, I think we're just rolling with the punches. But to have somebody who comes in and is leading and who's actually leading and is giving purpose and is excited about what they are doing. Why? Because the Spirit of God is living inside of them and is calling them to do this. And this is the will of God in their lives. Acts of mercy with cheerfulness. I think of uh, the the poor population out here who are living out in in, in tents, and um, I guess I don't know. Some of them want to live that way, or whatever. But you know, they have a need too. You know, they when when they come in, and you know, some of them have. Uh, mental illness, have physical illness, have um, things that we don't even know that's going on in their lives. And to find, to be that person who is cheerful in, in going up to that person and listening to them and helping them. And they find joy in that. I mean, half the time I'm scared. <laughs> Like, you know, I'm scared to walk up to somebody and be like, hey, what's going, you know, or um, but the Holy Spirit has shaped their hearts so that they find themselves unusually drawn to these things. So as members of the body of Christ, we are to use our grace given gifts to serve each other in humility. And we have such a great example, Jesus Christ. And I mentioned that, mentioned, mentioned that earlier. So, as, as we close here and we move into a time of communion, before that, you know, those who serve, that you would, <laughs> that you would serve in service. Now, that you, would, that you would take joy in that service. 
uh, if that is what God has called you to do. To those who teach, I'm going to look at Jordan here, and uh, you know Ben's not here, and I'm up here, that, um, that we would be diligent to study and understand the Word of God, that we can share it with others. Whether it's here, whether it's in a DNA group, whether it's that missional community, whether it's a personal discipleship relationship, Whether it's, you know, your classmate who's an atheist and wants to know more, I don't know. To those who encourage others, I know I've been encouraged by many a people. Um, exhortation is such a, such a big thing. Exhort one another as long as it is called today. To those who contribute, who give of the money that they have earned, knowing that it is God's, and when God says to give it, they say, yes, Lord. Because they're not worried. <laughs> they're not worried. They know that God's in control. Those in leadership, again, Jordan, Ben, that they would have a zeal for the Word of God. A zeal as in, in as you as you lead. As I mean, some of this is mixed in teaching and exhortation and. Uh, and service, like I feel like all of that goes into leadership, but that you would have a zeal and unwavering excitement for what you're doing. And that all of us here would, would grow in our acts of mercy towards our community, um, even when we, we uh, I don't know, we feel there's a, a gap or something, that we would, that we would act in mercy. Cheerfulness. Father, I uh, thank you for uh, the Holy Spirit, that these uh, gifts that you've given, that they would be nothing if it were not with the Holy Spirit and with love, love for one another. Ben talked about that. Um, Father, that we would go out, that we would grow in our faith. Father, that we would grow in the spiritual gifts that you've given us, that we would utilize them according to the faith that you would have given us. Father, that we would remember that we are the body of Christ, and when somebody is suffering, that we are suffering as well. And Father, when somebody is rejoicing and doing well, that we can rejoice and do well. Father, we thank you for the faith that you have given us. We thank you for the body of Christ here at Kaleo that you've given us and, and the surrounding churches here. Father, I pray that each of us would go out and practice humbly to our God for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.